her first pregnancy, and things go wrong. Listen to her story. a story and today we want to hear your story okay great well I uh, my story started um, quite a number of years ago 1990 I um, had my daughter and so I had gone to the ER because I had um, I was bleeding vaginally and then I went to the hospital when I got to the hospital they, they thought that maybe I had placenta um, previa, and so, um, but that wasn't the case. They thought that the placenta, I think that's when the doctor would be able to tell us better, when the placenta's over the, the vaginal canal, I think that's what it is. But that wasn't the case. So, I go into labor, and when I go into labor, first of all, I didn't want an epidural, so I wanted to be natural. And so, the doctor comes in, and so she says, you had um, one, you had a deceleration. So the baby's heart rate went down with one of the contractions. And so um, I said, well, well, why don't you just go ahead and give me something for pain? And so they said, well, what do you want? I said, no, 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 that's okay. I changed my mind, I don't want anything for pain because it might decrease the baby's heart rate. So then um, my water broke and they found out that my the baby start lying transverse. She was lying across like this instead of lying with the head down vertex. And so the baby's arm was through the vaginal canal and the baby was lying on the umbilical cord. So that decreased the amount of oxygen she received. So the doctor says, well, we have a medical emergency. We have to give you C-section. And so they gave me the C-section. And so afterwards, my daughter, I was like, uh, you guys remember like the Raggedy Ann doll? It's like all floppy. It was like real floppy. She didn't have tone. Like most babies when they're born, they have tone. She didn't have tone. And so they put her on, she couldn't breathe because the oxygen was so low. So they put her on a, a ventilator called a mechanical ventilator. And so that delivers a hundred breaths a minute. The only reason I'm mentioning how many breaths is because of what happens next. So she was on the mechanical ventilator this was um, my first child. I expected to have a normal delivery. Unlike everyone, you know, you just go in, you have a vaginal delivery, whoever has a C-section. But people do, and I was one of those people. And so they put her on the mechanical ventilator. And so the other thing that happened is that her heart in utero when she was inside, she had normal, as far as I know, normal things going on with her heart. But with the stress, they said that the blood was shunting across. She was doing fetal circulation. So there's something called, it's just like this is a circle called the Foreman ovale. So ovale. So when the baby takes the first breath, that closed up forever and then you have this circulation that we have. But she had stress, so it was the blood was shunting this way. And so they said, okay, well, they put her on a lot of different medications. And so on the third day, um, the doctor was trying to reach me on the phone because she was still in the ICU and she was still on the ventilator. At this point, I had not helped my daughter. Now, normally 
and when you have a baby, you hold, you bond with the baby, but I didn't get to hold my daughter yet. And so one day I was visiting her in the ICU and the respiratory therapist accidentally spilled water on her bed. So she said, oh, I have to find somebody. Can anybody help me lift the baby? And I said, I can help you. She said, okay, you cannot move. All you can do is lift her up like this and bring her back down. I said, okay. She said, I'm gonna change her bed. So I did what she said, I lift her up and I put her down. And so that was the first time I got to hold my daughter. And that wasn't like immediately after birth, that may have been day two. Day three is when the doctor calls me. The doctor calls me upstairs in my room and she says, um, I wanna to talk to you, can you come downstairs? So I said, okay, I'll come down. So I go downstairs, I was at the hospital, Jefferson Hospital, just right down the road here. And so the doctor says to me, um, well, where do you wanna talk? I said, well, let's talk at the baby's bedside. Anything can be close to my daughter. So we go up to where the room is and they say, oh no, you guys can't come in. We have a baby in here, we're doing an x-ray on that baby. So the doctor says, okay, we'll, we'll go talk down the, down the hall. So we go all the way down the hall. And at that point, they had like seven different ICUs. And it was a long hallway. So we're talking for about 20 minutes. The doctor's telling me, well, you know, I'm not sure she's gonna be a candidate for the ECMO machine, but I just wanted you to know about it just in case. So I said, okay. So while we were talking, the doctor, not the doctor, they over, it was an overhead page that said that there was a code. So I just jumped up. I didn't hear what room it was in and I didn't know how they um, categorized their rooms anyway. But I didn't know what room it was in. But I jumped up and I said, that's my baby. And so I run down the hall and the doctor runs after me. And sure enough, it was my baby. Now, it is probably, when I think about it, it is probably impossible for a woman who just had the traditional up and down incision to run. But when stress kicks in, almost anything is possible with God. So I ran down to the room and my daughter's heart had stopped. Now, let me back up in the story. I had gone to visit her earlier in the morning. And so her blood pressure was like 90 over 70. Let's say that was her blood pressure. And so, but I was looking at her blood pressure and as I'm watching the machine, the Diamac, that's what they called it back then, I don't know what they called it today. The numbers were becoming too close. Now, I didn't want to work out in my mind. I kept thinking, what happens when there's only one number? Well, I know what happens, but I didn't want to go through that physiology. So I said to the nurse, is she okay? So she said, yeah, she's okay, but the nurse looked real busy. And it's not right so I went to my room and when I went to my room before the doctor called me I was like a psych patient because I kept asking myself a question I kept saying what happens when the two numbers meet what happens what happens what happens that's what my brain was saying and then I got a phone call which took the doctor kept calling me but my line was busy so that's when the nurse had to come in and get me to come downstairs so anyway I go downstairs so now we're in the room with my daughter with the heart, her heart has stopped. And so the doctor calls for lidocaine. She calls for everything first. And so they took the long needle and they injected directly in the heart. And so they're doing CPR and with the little baby, they use the little two fingers, they're doing the CPR and I'm standing there. And so I hear the nurse whisper, um, who's that? And so someone said, that's the mother. And I do like this, don't touch me. And someone said, and I just did like this. I didn't want a chair, I didn't want anything. I just wanted to see what was going on with my baby. 
testosterone, lidocaine, and she, again, she injected directly into the heart. And then, so when my daughter, by God's grace and mercy, when her heart restarted, then they had to cut the carotid artery. So right over here, you got two carotids. And they cut the carotid artery, and so they put this cannula in there. And so then she went on this machine called the ECMO machine. So the ECMO machine does 50% of the work of the heart and also her lung collapsed. And the doctors believe that because she had a spontaneous pneumothorax, it just blew, boom, like that. They thought it was because of the machine. And the reason I told you about the mechanical ventilator gave breaths at 100 breaths a minute. Then they put her on something and I should have told you guys this before I got to the heart stop. And they put her on something called the jet ventilator. The jet ventilator delivers breaths at 400 breaths a minute. So it's like a fast vibrator, just like this. Right, the baby's just shaking constantly. That's why her heart stopped. It was too much. They were trying to, they were trying to help her. And it was forcing the oxygen. They were forcing the oxygen in. So then that's what we got to where the heart stopped and the lung collapsed. So then they put her on the ECMO machine. Now, this was all, I'm a new mother. I'm new in so many different ways. And so I didn't have, a lot of people know about God and have faith. I didn't, I didn't, I was new to knowing about God. And so my prayer was, help me accept your will because I believed that my baby was going to die but there was nothing to tell me that she wasn't because every day I went to see her, her electrolytes were off. They, they give her sodium and she needs potassium. They give her magnesium, she needs something else. Every single day, I couldn't see how life was going to come. And so there is something that happened to me during that time. And during that time, when my daughter went on that ECMO machine, this might sound crazy to you guys. I, you know, it's okay, but this is what God did for me. Every day a question came to me. And so the question said, Miss Jacobs, before 1990, we have never re-anastomosed the carotid artery. Should we re-anastomose the carotid artery or should we allow the collateral little blood vessels take over on that side? Tell them re-anastomose the carotid artery. So my daughter was on it for five days. So every day this would come question and answer, question and answer. I didn't discuss that with anyone. I was trying to trust God. And so I asked God to help me accept his will. Even though I believed I didn't have faith, I wasn't one of those mothers, Lord, if you save my daughter, I will serve you all the days of my life. I did not say that. I said my back is against the wall. And I need you to help me to accept your will. And so after five days, two surgeons sat down with me. And they sat just like I'm sitting here at a table. They sat across from me. But what happened next blew my mind. Because the surgeon said to me, Miss Jacobs, before 1990, we have never re-anastomosed the carotid artery. Should we? And when you, that means you just sew it, the two take the, they, they cut it into it. So they were just going to sew it back together. Should we sew it back together or should we allow the little vessels on that side 
to take over the circulation. And I told them what the voice told me, re-anastomose the carotid artery. So they sewed it back up. My daughter, my baby, she stayed in the hospital for a month. And so after they, she was on the ECMO machine, then she, she was at first in the NICU, and then she went to like a regular ICU. And then they wanted to test, after a month, they wanted to test her being off of all of the machines. And I've always been into um, eating natural and I wanted to breastfeed and you, I could have been a lactation specialist. And so I, um, I said, well, I didn't want her to not be on the machine. Don't you need to be on the machine? I don't, I don't want you to, I don't want to breastfeed her in the room and she won't be on the machine. But there's something called faith in God. And I am here to tell you that nothing is impossible with God. If I, if I could go through that, God could heal anybody. And I'm not saying that everyone will be healed because there was another baby born the same exact day as my daughter. And that baby's scenario was very similar. And she was on this machine and she was on that machine. But when I went back to the hospital, after six months, I was in the cafeteria and I'm strolling my baby and I'm I'm blessed. I'm grateful. I'm thankful. It it makes you thankful when you go through a Red Sea experience. And I saw the parents of the other baby. And I said, Oh my goodness, oh my goodness. How is her name's not Susan, but let's pretend. How is Susan? Oh my god, oh my god. And so they said, She never left. Mom, I don't know how or why God chose to bless me, my daughter, and my baby. I am grateful, but I could have been them because their, their child was on active, just like my daughter, and their child has so many surgeries. So I want to say that I am grateful for what has been done for my daughter. And the challenges that we faced from that point on, my daughter, I discovered, I watched her, when you get a gift like that, you're watching my daughter like, oh my God. And a normal baby, when a baby cries at night, the parents say, oh, I gotta get up and get her. But that's not what I said. When my daughter cried, I jumped up from the bed. I went into the room, make sure she was okay. She stayed in my room for time but then I realized that because she had stayed in the hospital so long for a month she was already turning in the crib so she, the little bassinet she couldn't sleep in that bassinet that was for the, the little teeny babies that wasn't for her and she got his chest every stage I was wondering if she was gonna walk and she walked and she ran and then when I was in I was in a thrift store with her and now she's three and so this is how I discovered she had a hearing loss. So I called her, this, this new store opened up and it, had, it used to be like a truck stop and trucks would come in so you could see a drop off point. But we were far from that, but she had wandered over there and I called her name. And let's say, just for privacy reasons, I'll just say, let's say I say her name is Kim. And I said, Kim, Kim. And she didn't hear me. I said, that is so 
frustrated and I had to scream her name because she would have been on the drop off. And I took her back and then I wondered, and I wondered also because of the way she enunciated words. And so I called her because her hearing was tested from the moment she was born up until her hearing was tested because we were followed by a special baby's clinic. Thank God for that. And so we went every month, every two or three months, we went to have her hearing checked just to make sure. And so I said, well, I think she has a hearing loss, even though all of her tests say her hearing was normal. And I said, because of the way she enunciates, even though some sounds do not develop until later, I still think she has a hearing loss. And so they discovered at that time, she had a bilateral, both ears, bilateral hearing loss. Then I wondered, well, how is she going to learn how to read? So I spent a lot of money. I took her to a tutor. I wanted her to learn how to read. I wanted her to learn how to enunciate the sounds. I just, I couldn't make sense of it. But one thing I'm grateful for, a lot of things, but the special babies clinic, they would tell me different things to work on with her. Like when I brought her home and I told you guys that she was like a floppy doll, they didn't tell me this. They told me they were going to send a physical therapist to my house because she didn't have muscle tone. God told me this. Every time you change her diaper, massage her. So that's what I did. I massaged her. So when the physical therapist came to my home, she was like this, like a regular baby. So they said, they looked at me. They said, well, I thought they said she didn't have any muscle tone. And I did like this. Because not that I didn't want to share what God had told me. People think you're crazy when they when you tell they say God is done for you. So I just did like this. I don't know because I did what God told me in my spirit. Just like he told me to how to answer that question. Me and him telling me that blessed so many other people because the hospital contacted me. I invited them to my daughter's 16th birthday party and they showed me research that they presented on my daughter's experience and that blessed so many other children. So I just want to tell you to be encouraged. I'm so grateful. It is so much to this story. And I just want parents who have children who have special needs to be encouraged to fight for your kid. And when I say fight for your kid, I mean just in, in an intelligent way. Read books yourself, but allow God to, to help you do the simple things. Things that are recommended in the book, I try to follow them. Make a schedule and a routine for your child. If your child has complex needs, give them a routine tool. And in fact, I discovered since I had a regular child, I discovered all children need routines. It gives them balance and boundaries. So be encouraged. Don't lose hope because help is out there you want help there are people out there to help you but do some of the work yourself read and don't feed your child all this junk because those things are no good i tried to raise her to have a natural diet what i mean by natural is whole grains fruits vegetables i would juice carrot juice for her and then carrot juice is probably too strong for a baby so i would half it up until I felt like she could take it just the regular. Or if you apple juice, you buy apple juice, make apple juice. You buy applesauce, make applesauce. You buy sweet potatoes, smash them up. These are things you can do for your child to, to help increase their nutrition 
and work with them. A parent doesn't need to be out there, hear it everywhere. When you have children, spend time with your children, pray with them, teach them, walk with them, talk with them. All that worry and I did things to the point where God told me, relax, relax. I was, I was worried. My daughter is gifted in reading. She is gifted in English. My daughter had diagnosis like this. Central auditory processing. How can somebody who has central auditory processing be good in reading? <laughs> be gifted, not just good, gifted. She's an excellent writer. She recently published an article. Excellent. So I just want to encourage you. Be faithful to God. Take care of yourself. And take care of your children. Don't feed them all that junk. Thank you. Wow, that's quite a story. Can I ask a few questions? Sure. So how old is your daughter now? 31. She's 31 years old. Why does that story make you so emotional? Because God did so much for her in that story. He did so. The things that has happened have been impossible. I could not have done it. I couldn't have healed her myself. Even though I like herbs and all that, I couldn't have gone over there with my herbs and said, be healed. Because if I could have, I would have done that. It was out of my control. It just shows the awesomeness. So, nowadays, a lot of black women are scared when they get pregnant. They worry about dying in pregnancy. They worry about their baby dying in pregnancy. You had an emergency cesarean section and then you had a baby with complications. What would you tell women who are pregnant now, who are worried? I think that you have to trust God. Trust God and eat well, exercise, whatever you can do in terms of exercise. Because you're pregnant, if you're not used, like I used to swim, and I used to swim with my daughter, but that was something I did before pregnancy, so then I can do it while I'm pregnant. Take care of yourself. Walk. Walk as you have to walk every day anyway. How do you, what do you tell women in particular, but people in general, when they're interacting with doctors and nurses in hospitals, in settings that they may not be comfortable with? or hearing things they may have never heard before. How do they negotiate or navigate those type of territories? I think that's a very good question. I think one is that you should not go to the doctor ignorant. And what I mean by that is, if it's possible for you to research it, research a topic, whatever's wrong, whatever you think is wrong, research it first. Go to the doctor if you don't understand Ask to take a pencil and a pad. You have a responsibility as well to yourself. Ask the doctor to spell the words that you are not familiar with. Ask the doctor what that means. And then you go home and read it. I think that that will empower you. You can't just sit there and let someone feed you. Mm. What if it happens out of the blue? Like with you. You had this bleeding... You said it was a previa, and you actually described what a previa was, and you were right. The placenta is too low. It's, it's over the opening of the uterus. So 
how do you navigate such a scary situation? I'll be very honest with you. And I think that people have turned away from this. I say God. Other people might say something else, but I say with God. How else can you? You can't because you don't, as you just said, you don't know. I had no idea when I left my house that all these events was getting ready to happen. I had no idea whatsoever. Nor had I ever met anyone that had any complications with a pregnancy. All the women before me had no problems with their childbirth. So in my family, this is the first time someone's had a C-section in what, I don't know, 50 mm -hmm. years or more. Mm -hmm. So you have to trust God. There's just no other option in my opinion. So were you ever angry about the fact that you had a cesarean, that you had a child with a disability, that you had a child that ended up in the NICU? Wow, that's such a good question. No, I was actually grateful because there were so many opportunities her life could have, she could have been taken. She didn't have to get a heartbeat on that third day when her heart stopped. I wasn't in control and there was nothing that I could do about it. I didn't know I was praying um, and I was praying a prayer that um, I was not familiar. I was in a territory that's unfamiliar to me. I was baptized two weeks before this event happened to me. Only thing I knew about was Psalms 91, but all those scriptures that people know and are they going to trust God and they're going to do this and do that. I didn't have that. I was like a child. So that's interesting. You don't have to be a Bible toting believer to pray or to believe. That's right. Because if you think about it, we didn't make ourselves. I mean, you know, there's a lot of different theories, but if a human being sits down to think about it, they had no one consulted them when this universe was made. No, they didn't help with the sky, the stars, the moon. So in this body that we have, we have to, we're, we have a responsibility to take care of it. Mm -hmm. And what about uh, the trials of raising a child with a disability? Oh, that's a discussion right there. <laughs> that's a discussion because there are so many specialists that um, I probably went to every specialist go down and you look for doctors, every specialist on that list except for OBGYN I probably went to for my daughter because she had to, she went through different tests. So we went to a neurologist, we, we did some kind of testing one time, sensory, um, tactile, sensory, whatever, like we had a lot of different things that we had to do. And that can be stressful, but having my mother and father in my life made a huge difference because my family rallied around me and they were more than supportive. I don't think I could have taken this journey if, it, if I didn't have my family. They were just, they were there for, for all of us. So we all need a support system. Wow. What a story. You wrote a book about this? I did. Tell us about your book. So my book is called Osireme, and that means it's um, a book. The title is from um, Benin, and her father is uh, Nigerian. So um, that title means God's gift. 
and spell O-S-A-R-E-M-I, and it's by me, Medina Jacobs. If anyone wants to purchase it, it's on Amazon. But the book is about how God blessed uh, my daughter through this experience, our whole experience, through that whole birth to the howling from beginning until my daughter graduated with her first degree. Maybe I need a sequel now. She has a second degree, but <laughs> I was just grateful. And I, there's a lady I met um, in Ghana. My mother was invited to, um, she was installed as a queen in Ghana. And a lady I met heard about my daughter's story, and she told me, she said, you need to put this in, in writing. This story shouldn't go um, unheard. And so I thank God for her encouragement, and that's how it led me to write the book. And so true she's very cavalier about life she takes everything as if um not you know it's no big deal she's moving on so she's a my daughter's a fighter why <laughs> i have a story like that you see but she just keeps it moving she doesn't let anything stop her and she just does not look at it as if it's a minus she just keep it together moving and you're saying, in spite of everything, all she now has is a hearing loss? She has a hearing loss and central auditory processing. Wow. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to share. <laughs>